Welcome to Cue the Dagger, brought to you in partnership with Inside the Rink. Inside the Rink is your one-stop shop for all NHL news, insight, and analysis. You can follow them on Twitter at Inside underscore the underscore rink. I'll be your host, Clifton Ramey, and I'm with my co-host, Logan Rosengarten. How you doing, my man? I'm doing good. Uh, I'm burnt out. Finals are kicking my ass, but I'm done soon, and I'm just ready to be done. But I'm doing all right beside that, Cliff. How about you? Hey. I'm doing good, man. Uh, Hawks uh, draft, NHL draft lottery uh, went the way I wanted, so Blackhawks didn't win that. We'll jump into that later, though, obviously, um, if you want to jump into a quick word from our sponsor here. And a quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and, yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RINK for a 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. All right, Logan, we'll go ahead and jump right into the big news. Um, obviously, it's draft lottery night. The Chicago Blackhawks did not win the lottery. Montreal was number one. New Jersey was number two. Arizona keeps getting their awful luck, falls into the three spot. Um, overall, I'm happy with them falling. I did not want the pick this year. I'd rather Columbus have it. Um, as far as everything I know, the draft is weaker this year. And I would just honestly get the Seth Jones trade done, move out of the way. Now, when the Hawks struggle next year, we can look at the benefit of maybe getting lucky and pulling a Connor Bernard. Um, that's just how I feel, Logan. What about you, man? I, I agree with you there. I feel like the only acceptable outcome would have been if we got the first overall pick and we picked Shane Wright. I know there's the whole, like, there's a, there's a lot more credible talk this year than I feel like in the past years of, Shane Wright not being the first overall pick. Shane Wright is is a wonder kid, and most of those guys go first overall, but there's serious talk that he wouldn't. Um, however, I it's a good thing. We're getting our first-round pick next year in a much better draft. There's still an ability for the team to pick up a first-round pick between now and the draft. That I mean, they can trade for one. They have guys that they can trade and pick up first-rounders. They've got Tampa Bay's. Like, it's not like they're SOL, but hey, we might. I know this year we don't have the first yet when Minnesota goes on and wins this series and then beats Colorado. We'll have a first. Um, but until then, we don't have a first this year. Next year, we're going to have at least two firsts, but I believe they have five picks in the first three rounds. Um, two or three seconds and two or three thirds. I think it's five picks in the first three rounds. So even though the Blackhawks don't have a first, they still have a lot of high end capital. Um, if Davidson wanted to move into the first round, he easily could. I don't see why he couldn't package a couple of those seconds and a third and get a late first. I don't think it's that important to get in the first this year. I think you can hit on your second round draft picks. I mean, we have a prime example on the roster and Alex to bring it. You don't have to have a first to find a stud. You just have to draft well. And the Blackhawks just need to add to their prospect pool. And they just need to get quality prospects. They don't need to swing for the fences. They don't need to go get a Shane Wright, although I'm not going to lie. Shane Wright's a nice player. And I wouldn't be mad if the Hawks did win. I just think the next year and we gave up a Connor Bernard, that would have sucked. But obviously that's 
not even a thought anymore. So um, hopefully Columbus goes and screws up the sixth pick and the set trade. Well, there's too much more to cover here. We're going to have to really wait and see if uh, Davidson's looking to move up in the draft or kind of wait for the second round to see where these picks develop. Yeah. Um, I will say it, it definitely will bode well if San Jose, not San Jose, pardon me, uh, Columbus's pick from the Seth Jones trade, it would look really good in the future if the guy they picked up just shat the bed and didn't play well. Like, uh, you know, the, the whole, oh, uh, we, we had this pick and pick this guy over that guy and the other guy's doing good narrative is one of my least favorite narratives to happen to a team like ever. It, it's really annoying. I Agreed. think it's a stupid argument anytime it's used, but the fact that we don't have to worry about that or if it's a bad player that they pick, we can point the blame and point our fingers and say, ha ha, look at what happened if we had that pick. Yeah, it's just one of those things that if you're the team that gave up the pick, you can kind of like give yourself a little extra feel good moment if it goes wrong. But then also if it goes right for that team, it's also a little extra dig. Um, and like I said, I in my opinion, this is what was best for the Hawks. They can still get some quality prospects in the second and third round um, and then have the what's more than likely going to be a top five, top six pick, maybe top one pick in my dream um, for Connor Bernard next year. Hopefully the lottery can fall in our hands there. Um, but, yeah, that's it. Um We'll go ahead and transition away from the draft because we're going to do plenty of talking about the draft, obviously. Um, it's yes. going to be the biggest part for the Blackhawks offseason and as they try to start this rebuild. Um, so I have recently fired up a nice little fun article to try to loosen up the season. So I kind of wanted to throw – I'm not sure if you checked it out or not. I believe you did take a peek. Um, but I'm going to throw the, the awards out, and we're going to see who you would go ahead and give them to. All Perfect. right. So, well, the first one, it's kind of funny, obviously. It's going to be the Bobby Hall Memorial. And the Bobby Hall Memorial goes to the player that is just a little grumpy off the ice and or just has absolutely issues off the ice, whichever way you want to take it. It's just uh, it's an on-the-ice award. It's all about your attitude and actions off the ice. Who would you give that award to, Logan? A1 Stanley Bowman. And only because, and only because, the guy was a scumbag during the whole Kyle Beach situation. Actually the worst human being at that current moment in history to exist. And I mean that wholeheartedly. Quote me. I don't care. That was terrible. Uh, that That's really it. I mean. He's a scumbag. He's a scumbag. He, he, I'm, I'm, he's never going to so, have a job in hockey again. In the article. He doesn't deserve it. So, so if you couldn't give it to Stan Bowman, because he's the obvious choice, and if you're going to look at this, a lot of ex-Hawks will win a lot of these awards. Um, but if you had to put it on a team or on a member that's currently on the Blackhawks, yeah, and I'm forcing your hand here, Logan. I know you don't want to say it. I know you don't want to say any name because Stan Bowman is the true runner away with that award, but he's no longer with Chicago. So if you can't give it to Stan Bowman, the true guy that deserves it, an absolute scumbag, um, who would you give it to? I'm not saying it, Cliff. I'm not. 
Come on, now you just gotta give any name. If you had to pick one player who is a kind of a curmudgeonly old man this season, who hmm. would you explain to be that? Man, there are, we don't have a lot of old guys Couldn't on the be, team. Uh, uh, one Jonathan Tace? I wouldn't Tom, necessarily Tom say Tace? Jonathan Tays. I'm trying yeah. to think of the old men on the team that that have complained about anything this year to just just to trump your point. Uh I, we legitimately we have, have a very young really team. Don't. It's crazy. Uh, you, I, you could give me like Derek King late in the year, maybe. I was going to say Derek King, actually. I was going to say if there's anyone that, because I don't think any of the players really are. I've, I've gone down this rabbit hole before, but uh, I, I think Derek King down the stretch, he just kind of went up to the media and shrugged his shoulders at the end of every game and was like, I don't know, guys, you figure it out. Like, that's not. And that he like basically did the same thing with with his coaching. He kind of just let up and looked at the player. Was like, I don't know. So oh, I agree with those points one hundred percent. I thought he was a little grumpy. Um, I gave it to Jonathan Tays. So I thought Jonathan Tays was a little grumpy. Came off a little curmudgeonly, but you know, it really wasn't too bad. I know I harp on him a lot, but like that's nothing more than just a little talk about. I mean. I would be pretty frustrated too if I was Jonathan Tays and I'm an elite player and I didn't put up elite numbers. So it's reasonable. It's nothing to be concerned about. I don't think it's some writers want to make it a bigger deal than it really is. And I just think he was a little frustrated and the Hawks were losing. He was mad at that. He was mad at him. A little frustrated scenario. Um, but we're going to move on to the next award here, the Stan Makita Memorial, which goes to the best offensive forward. Who would you give that to this year? Alex to bring it. I know he didn't lead the team in points, but I'll I I mean look, the kid's dominant, right? I'm uh off the top of my head at I think he hit 40 goals again, which 41 tied his career. Yeah, that that's a good thing. Uh you want your younger guys doing that, and not every player in the NHL can score 40 goals. So, and if we're talking offense, goals create offense. I know there's an assist that happens before a lot but like if the pass goes to someone that doesn't know how to shoot the puck the pass is just another pass so alex Debrinket takes that award for me that's yeah, absolutely fair um to add to your point alex Debrinket also had a career high in points um i gave it to patrick kane i just think that patrick kane drove the offense this year i think that the winger and his ability to drive possession is huge his ability to bring out the best in his line mates. And then, I mean, he had 92 points up off my head. I believe it was 92 points this year, third highest in his career. It was a one-two toss-up. There was absolutely nobody else in the conversation for that award, in my opinion. It was either Alex Brinkett, Patrick Kane. You could have flipped a coin. I gave it to Patrick Kane. You're giving it to Alex Brinkett. We'll go ahead and you can tweet at us and let us know who you guys think. Um, and then the next award is going to be one of my personal favorite awards because it's not necessarily about stats, but it's just about being an absolute workhorse. And that's going to be the run on Duncan award. Who would you give the runs on Duncan award? Um, I, I mean, I feel like the obvious answer for me is, is just, like Seth Jones, he eats up the amount of minutes he eats up for a reason. Like, e even if he doesn't live up to all of those minutes played every night, he the fact that he's able to go in and skate for 25 minutes every night is insane. So 
I, I guess he Seth led Jones. the league in ice time. The entire NHL, he led it in ice time. Absolutely unreal. He was the winner for me. I, in my opinion, it wasn't close. I think what Seth Jones did on a nightly basis, logging those minutes, playing with multitude of partners, playing in all scenarios, offensive zone, defensive zone, power play, penalty kill. He did everything. The next person up for me would have been Alex Brinkett just because he was the only player on the Blackhawks to play all 82 games. And to me, he never took a night off. He never took a shift off. It was really hard for those two, but I think Seth Jones just was truly the definition of a workhorse this year. It's a little concerning because he has eight years now continuing with the Hawks, and they just played him 26 minutes and 13 seconds a game. I hope that number comes down because the back half of this contract will look really ugly if that's the case. But, yeah, Seth Jones was just an absolute animal, logged minutes, sucked up ice, and kept a lot of the lower or more AHL-style players from, you know, getting torched too, too much, even though it wasn't a great year. We'll move on to the next one, which is the Kane and Panarin Award. And I think you can kind of figure this out. This goes down to the biggest bromance in Chicago. Who do you think the biggest bromance was on the team this year? I'm going to say, oh, gosh. Uh, uh, it kind of sucks. I mean, it got broken up halfway through the year. I think the sh- I my favorite one, at least, was the Jonathan Tays. And uh, or was it? Kane and Hagel, and that's more of an on-ice thing than an off-ice thing. They just played really well together, and they were clicking. I never even thought about that, dude. That's a good one, actually. That's really good. It never crossed my mind. I totally forgot about it because he's in Tampa now, but, dude, they were fun to watch on the ice. Hagel and Taze had a good – Hagel had a good connection with the whole team, honestly. Um, For me – this year, there really wasn't a big bromance. There wasn't too many players that kind of jumped off the board for this one. The two pairings that were really obvious for me was Patrick Kane and Alex Brinkett. And they ultimately got the award, and they got it because you saw a different side of their relationship this year. You saw Alex Brinkett getting in Patrick Kane's face, telling him, shut the F up. You're going to do this. Getting in his face, standing up for him. And then you would see them talk about each other off the ice. You see Patrick Kane making the comments like, hey, if 12's here, it'll be fun for me to play, isn't it? And you can see that Patrick Kane loves Alex Zabrinkit. Yet you see in the middle of the game, Alex Zabrinkit's in his face. That's awesome. It's not a guy that's going to stand down and be scared of Patrick Kane. It kind of reminds me of the Panarin relationship. It's obviously not to that same level. They don't have the same connection yet. They're not seeing each other in the back of their head and having 45-second shifts against the New York Islanders and the pucks in the back of their net by any means. But I think that Alex Dabrinkit and Patrick Kane are forming a connection, and it's just improving. It's improving Alex Dabrinkit's game. And then for me, the next closest would have just been the traditional Alex Dabrinkit, Dylan Strom. But I don't know if it was the struggle of the season or just the lack of players connecting. I just really didn't. Besides, like you said, the Brandon Hagel and – Taze or Brandon Hagel and Patrick Kane early on, there really wasn't a bromance this year. Yeah, I I think that'll change, though. I think we're going to see a lot more of the, like, the stereotypical hockey bromances on the team 
as these younger guys that keep staying with the team, Kirby Doc, Alex Brinkett, Dylan Strom, Lucas Reichel, uh, you know, the defensive Perfect guys, Ian Mitchell, uh, Nick Bodan, uh, Wyatt Kalanick, all the guys, Seth Jones for that matter, like all these guys that are staying through, uh, Philip Kurashev, I, I couldn't forget him. Uh, it, you're, they're going to get closer because they're going to stay with the team, right? If the t- if Kyle Davidson is really going to commit, he's got to select like five or six of those guys to be anchors and just like stick through the whole thing. Thick or thin, those are going to be the faces of our franchise. And those guys are going to what that group of guys is where you're going to see the bromances. It's not going to be, I mean, it's going to be the free agent signing and one of his best friends from home is playing on the same team scenarios, but I don't know. That was that if was a lot had, of nothing. <laughs> if you <laughs> if you had to predict this award for next year, I already have my pick. You brought up the name. It's Patrick Kane and Lucas Reichel for me. Hundred percent. I think that when Lucas Reichel gets stuck with Patrick Kane, the speed of Lucas Reichel and the creativity is going to match with Patrick Kane. And in my own head right now, I'm just daydreaming of a 88, 12, 27 line. And it just, oh, oh, don't even, don't get me started on what that line could be. All right, Logan, we'll move on to the next award, which is my favorite personal award, the Jomerson Shutdown Trophy for Best Defensive Defenseman. To me, this is the hardest award to give out. I really didn't think there was a deserving person on this team. I would have given it to Murphy, but he got hurt. So I personally gave it to Seth Jones. But I just feel like this is that award that the Blackhawks don't have a defensive defenseman, really. The only yeah. one Ivan on the prospect board is Alex Flasic, but he I don't think they play. have that defensive defenseman. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I like Calvin DeHaan's the only guy that sticks out to me just because he really is a two way stay at home defender and that's his style of play. Um, and he's, he's pretty reliable at it, too. But yeah, like, Calvin DeHaan, I guess Connor Murphy. If Jake McCabe was like Jake McCabe was supposed to be that guy for us, hey, those last two weeks, I know those two weeks were solid. I know, and it, thank God he's here for another three seasons. It's a pretty good guy to have in your in your back pocket. You know, it's a close game in a in a must win scenario, and he's able to shut down the team's best scorer. I mean that that's the guy you want there. Uh, but yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I'll give it to Calvin DeHaan. Yeah, I, th- I don't think there's really much more to say. I think we're kind of in the same boat with the next award, to be honest. I don't think there's really much to talk about. I think it's another award that kind of goes to the default answer. It's the Marion Demigod Hosa Award for Best Defensive Forward. It's essentially the Selkie. And the only real answer on this list is probably Jonathan Taze. Um, I did shout out Kirby Dock in my article just because he was put in the more defensive role, but he did not deserve this. He was not good enough. The only real answer is Taze, but to be completely honest, Taze didn't deserve it either. Uh, could you think of anyone that deserved it? I gave it to Taze because he was the best bet, but I don't think Chicago's got that lockdown center or winger anymore. Uh, I wouldn't say that. Uh, I mean, what I'm trying to think of guys that are pretty Dylan Strom was pretty good on defense this year. Uh, I would for his say standards, was, yeah. for his standards, and that's pretty good. Like it's he's an average defender in your own zone, and you want your guys that score a lot to at worst be average in, in the back half of the game. But Mackenzie Entwistle comes to mind for me. 
I liked him a lot. Honestly. I did. Mackenzie Emsitz was good. Reese Johnson was pretty solid. But they just – they weren't going to play that role to shut down a guy. Taze is at least covering him. I don't know. I just – I want more vintage Jonathan Taze, I guess. I miss that shutdown. I'm not, not talking the offense. I just miss, like, Jonathan Taze getting under the top player in the other team's skin, grinding – the top lines face Jonathan Tays and not be able to do anything. But yeah, it's just not much to go on there. And we'll cycle into the next award, which is the Seabrook Leadership Memorial for the player who exemplifies leadership both on and off the ice. I want to take a second to recognize it's the Seabrook Memorial as if he's dead. The guy's like a year out of being a Blackhawk. He's not dead. <laughs> I couldn't call them all trophies, man. You got to switch it up a little bit. Trophy award designation. I don't know. Ah, I kind of like designation. Ah. Grab, grab a thesaurus. I don't know. Um, I was running out, man. I have like 11 of these things. I would say leadership. Patrick Kane. Like, I like that answer. I didn't shout him out. Uh, I thought he could have done a little bit better doing the beach stuff. Just answering. I think he could have too, but relative to... Besides that, yeah, I thought he was... Yeah, like relative to the season, uh, nobody handled the Kyle Beach situation well, so I'm not really going to single him out for that when the entire team and organization did poorly with that. Yeah, Um, The only person that stood out to me is Alex Brinkett during that, and that's why he gave the award. I just thought, even though he wasn't on the team then, he did an admirable job of being front and center and yeah. being willing to take questions. But now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, I almost wish I would have given the award to Patrick Kane because it is easier for Alex Brinkett to take those questions because he has nothing to do with it, where Patrick Kane took questions as well. Didn't give the big info answers, but took questions and answered them how he answered them and to me did a more admirable job than some other players that were on that team. So I do think that you have a better point towards the Patrick Kane getting this award than Alex Brinkett, but too little too late. Alex Brinkett won it according to the article there. So we'll go ahead and slide to now. This is this one right here might, might dig at you a little bit, Logan, because I know you used to be a, a big fan, but the, Eric Gustafson traffic cone trophy given to the defenseman who plays like a dang traffic cone on the ice. Who would you give this to? Cause clearly I'm giving it to Eric. Eric I'm, Gustafson. I'm giving it to Eric Gustafson. I mean, he's not good. Don't get me wrong. I understand the value to have him as like a seventh depth depth defenseman in the playoffs, but see that value. We, we don't. Why? Like I, 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 I don't understand. I feel like the Blackhawks bring have brought back so many former players from their great years and just fucking they've sucked. Dan Bowman's favorite move, dude. Never seen a GM so willing to just dive back into the old well. Like, dude, it's dry. You got rid of it because it dried up and now you're going back to it. What are you doing, Dan Bowman? That was frustrating. Eric Gustafson stinks. 
he can just buy hope that he never plays a game in Chicago again. Like, I think he might be the nicest dude off the ice, and I wish him all the well in his endeavors, just not in Chicago. That's it for me. I'm done with Eric Gustafson. I'm just done. He's bad at hockey. He's, he's probably um, a couple seasons out from being out of the league, and I don't mean that, like, maliciously. Obviously, he was out of the like league the this year. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, from, year, then. There, there are guys that hang around that just, yeah. like, have – so someone needs an offensive defenseman because uh, three of their guys are hurt and he's the next guy up. Like there's going to be, do you think he may hang around? Do you think the reason why he pisses me off so much is the fact that he did look so good that one year? Like he ran the power place. So I don't under, no, freaking good. That's my thing too. I don't understand why, like, I don't, I don't understand why he didn't do that again. Like it was a, he was I, what? I think he was 10th. Or he was like tenth yeah. in defensive points high, or yeah. something like that. 50, he was fifty something points or something like that. I think he had. I think real. it was. I think he had sixty four points that season, and it was like Did top. He? Damn! Look, I'm even shorter than man. I apologize, Eric Gustafson. I'll Don't make quote sure me I on point that. Out I, could be, I could be wrong, but I remember there being a stat that he was like a top three or some top number scorer of defensemen in the league. And like he was ahead of Morgan Riley and something, and I was like, "Holy cow, this guy's great!" Right, dude, he had an unreal year. Yeah, it's a shame yeah, that he I, fell I, off. I'm just, I'm done with him now. I'm ready to move on. So we're gonna jump into, and you're gonna toast me for this one again. He's not dead, people, but it's another memorial. The Corey Crawford Memorial, most underrated player. Who would you give that to? I gave it to Seth Jones. This is a big F you to all the people on Twitter who want to say he stinks. In my honest opinion, though, Dylan Strom is the one who really deserved the award, but I had to give it to Seth Jones. Just as a little middle finger to all the people on Twitter who think Seth Jones is not a number one defenseman. Uh, Dylan, like, yeah, Dylan Strom's probably my pick there. I mean, he, he, had a really, really strong back half of the campaign. Um, I remember he was on like a 20-game point streak, if I remember correctly. Uh, he, he ended up in his last 50 just below a point per game, like within like a one or two points of that. Unreal. Yeah, like that. And no one talks about that. Like I, all the Blackhawks fans talk about it because he's – we love him, obviously. But from like a national standpoint, he he doesn't he doesn't get a lot of attention. So – Dylan Strom takes that for me. He was pretty underrated. The next one, Logan, is the Alex Nylander Award. What do you think that possibly could mean? Probably a pretty disappointing player. And you are correct. Who would you give it to? Dominic Kubelik comes to mind. Uh, Kevin Lankinen also comes to mind. I thought he was kind of. That's a good one. That's I, thought, one that's I thought he was mind. underwhelming. Like, he came into the season. He was kind of. He wasn't going to be great, obviously. I mean, you're not going to be great as your first year as, like, the starter, but or as the split guy with Marc-Andre Fleury, but he, he didn't even perform up to the expectations that I think he set for himself. He no, wasn't he really, he really he wasn't awful. He was not, like... He was awful at times, dude. But, like... I have to disagree with you on that. I think he was a god awful for that. Oh, at stretch. times, I, I'm saying like overall throughout the season, he really wasn't like the worst goalie ever. Is what I'm saying. I think it was pretty piss poor, in my opinion. To be honest, I was very disappointed. I was liking it, and maybe it's I had high standards, and I'm carrying the standard that maybe I shouldn't have put on him, and that's why I feel the way I feel about his game. 
But I was I was disappointed. But to me, this is a runaway with Dominic Kubelik. The Hawks couldn't even trade the guy. He was so bad. They got to figure out his qualifying offer. It's around like $4 million or something. Jesus. It's just, it was just all around just a bad scenario. $4 million? Yeah, it's something right around there, $3.5 to $4 million. But what do you do, man? Do you not sign him and let him just walk for nothing? Or do you just go ahead and qualify? It's not like $4 million matters next year for the Hawks. And hopefully he can play well and you flip him at the yeah. deadline. But you couldn't I mean, I guess him it's this a, year. I guess it's a win-win. If he does good, you have him. If he doesn't do good, you just sell him for an asset, however shitty the asset coming back is. Yeah, and the worst like worst scenarios, you can't sell him off. Like you couldn't sell him off this year. And then that, and you go, okay, well, we're done. Later. See ya. But I just don't get it. I don't think you can let him walk for nothing, can you? No. Is that, is that good asset management? To me, no, it's not. Pro- no. I don't know. I just if it, either sign him or get him get a good deal on him, like qualify him or don't. And then the final award on the day, the Bickle Breakout Trophy. Who did you have? To me, this one was Brandon Hagel, no longer on the team. Couldn't win the award. I didn't really have anybody after that. I didn't think anyone really broke out for the Blackhawks, so I gave it to Sam Lafferty. He impressed me from what I expected when he came over from Pittsburgh, but I don't know if I can call it a breakout because I really don't know much about him from his game in time in Pittsburgh. So I thought this was a clear runaway for Brandon Hagel and nobody else, but Brandon Hagel is no longer in Chicago, so it was a slide down to the next closest thing, which was Sam Lafferty. Brandon Hagel's really the only guy I'd give it to. Even I mean, the guy was like amazing. I don't understand. Actually, no, I shouldn't say that. I was gonna go down the hole. We shouldn't have traded him route. We should have traded him though. We got a I'm got still a torn on that. Return. I won't lie. I agree. Like, I, I don't know. I think getting rid of him and getting two pretty good prospects uh and two first round picks is really really good to piggyback off that right there i agree and i think it was the right move it just hurts watching a guy like brandon hagel play for somebody else man he was so fun and he's really good yeah i i i I, i'm trying to think imagine we had him as a building off piece like i knew he was probably going to be on the short end of the totem pole that's just how like rebuilds work there's going to be one young guy that gets shafted and he happened to have been that guy. But I'm trying to think, like, imagine our core offense is Debrinkit, Strom, Doc, Reichel, and Hagel. And then the defense is the defense. And now imagine that group, Reichel, Debrinkit, Strom, Doc, uh, Kurashev. See, when you put it that way, you actually made me feel better about the trade because you put it in a way that made me look at it a little bit differently. You put it on the upcoming group. I went and looked at, okay, if Brandon Hagel was on the 2010 roster, the 2013 roster, or the 2015 roster, where would he slide in in the lineup? And he'd slide in as a third-line player, in my opinion. I don't think he was a second-line player. I don't think he's a Patrick Sharp. And if you're telling me a third-line player got us two first. And potentially a third-line player in Radish and a fourth-line player in Kachuk. I'm yeah, I feel good about it then. Oh yeah, now looking and at it like there's, that. There's that entire whole aspect of like, if you're gonna, comp- you're literally comparing the numbers. You're getting 
you're playing you're kind of playing money ball right you're yeah. you're picking up two first round picks and two top nine forwards which can convert into like an equal amount the, the whole it, you're playing money ball essentially yeah like essentially I, what yeah. you're trying to do is you're trying to get uh brandon hagel out of the draft picks and then add depth that's essentially I think it's a good move, though, overall, but I think that that's going to do it for a Blackhawks talk on the day. I know we're going to cover a lot more on the draft coming up in the future. We'll talk about what Davidson can do in the rebuild, what an ideal offseason will look like. That's all stuff we'll cover later on for the last few minutes of this pod. Let's go ahead and jump into the fun stuff of the playoffs. Is there any series in particular you want to talk about as we are specifically recording the Carolina Hurricanes are up 3 nothing at the end of two and game five. Uh, last I looked, the Tampa Bay Lightning were up 2 nothing in game five, actually 2-1 to one in game five over Toronto. And then, of course, the game that I'm watching tonight is going to be the Minnesota Wild, the St. Louis Blues game, Logan, and that's where I'm personally going to jump into here. Let's go, Wild. Marc-Andre Fleury's got two wins, two more to go. That's checked off the list. We just need them to get by this pesky St. Louis team. Have you been watching any of this series? Because it's a growing, big-hitting, mean, nasty series. I am very good friends with a couple guys that are from Minnesota. And they're not huge hockey fans, but they're always hip to the wild playing. And that's the, the most wild thing you've ever. No pun intended there. No, the I know it's crazy. Thing. Minnesota, like, they're not hockey guys. Like I mean, they're hockey guys in the sense that they're from Minnesota. They literally grew up around it. Like you know, some of the biggest sporting events in their high school Minnesota was football so games big and hockey that, like, games. But minor like, league hockey's on their own. Like they I know in USA. It's, how are these guys not hockey guys? That's, that's hockey town. They're casuals. Not really. It's not even that they're diehards. They're just casuals. But, uh, and that's okay. But I, I've been watching a lot of that series. And because it, you never want to see the Blues win. So I've just been watching and rooting for the Wild, just despite some of my friends from St. Louis. Um, I, I think the Wild should win that series. I think they're the better team. St. Louis is really good. Uh, Jordan Bennington playing is probably not a good thing for the wild because he looked locked in. That's uh, one game though. He had a nine game playoff losing streak before that. And I'm praying that that starts up again tonight. I I mean, for the wild sake, I hope it does too. But if he's locked in, I mean, you guys are going to have to grind it out. If he's locked in, that's no, going to, you all know, you all know the famous uh, quote of his, he doesn't get nervous. Like Bennington is, if he's locked in, this is going to be a seven game series. And I really for a guy that doesn't get nervous for a guy that doesn't get nervous. Looked a little shaky for nine playoff games. It's in the past. I have to take the shot. If I got a shot to take it at the blues, um, we'll go ahead and just kind of do a quick, quick look at all of them. Uh, we'll just go ahead and do our predictions here for the rest of these series. Got the Tampa Toronto game. Tampa's up two one in game five. Where do you see this series going? Logan? I think it's going to be a seven-game series, and I think it's a coin flip. Both of these teams are stupid good, yeah. actually stupid good. It's it. I I ridiculous. Don't know. They have to play in the first round. Absolutely ridiculous. The NHL needs to go back to the one through eight. Yeah, I don't want to see this as a first-round matchup. That's just dumb, dude. It's a it's great matchup. Dumb. Like I'm not complaining. I'm I love good hockey, 
But yeah, imagine this is like the second round or the conference final. Come on. That's that's prime, prime TV. The Um, on ice products elite. It's just not fair to both teams that they have to play each other in the first round. But I would put Tampa. I think Tampa closes tonight out and I think Tampa closes it out in game six. I think it goes six, and I think Tampa gets the job done. I, I think Jump it's going to be the Bruins game here. The Bruins are up three nothing, and they are going into the third. So that game's pretty much lock. Uh, I would put Hurricanes in seven. I think the home team wins every seven. game. I, think I don't the home know. Team- Home teams won every game so far. Carolina looks like they're going to win at home tonight. I like the the routine to keep going, and I like to see Carolina in seven. A series, a series doesn't start until a team wins on the road, and Facts. I like Carolina's chances in Boston more than I do Boston's chances in Carolina. You like Carolina in six. I like oh. Carolina in six. I think they're going to close. I mean, they're up 3 nothing right now going into the third. They're not. I, I shouldn't say not. It's hockey, but I don't see a world where they give up a three nothing lead. I'm knocking on wood currently with uh, at home against Boston. And I think that momentum will carry over into Boston, because if there is a coach in a locker room that can get behind a message of win or go home to play another game. It's the Canes. It's Rod Brindamore. Canes in six. I like it. I don't hate it. Uh, I think it's it's fair. I think you made more than enough good points, and I'm actually going to switch with you. I like it. You've changed my opinion, and I'll go Canes and six with you. I, I think you did a very admirable job of proving that Carolina is going to take this thing home. And we'll go ahead and rotate into what I think is the most wild, insane series so far, not from an on-the-ice product, but solely just from the fact that it's 3-1, to one. Pittsburgh over New York. I feel like I'm not shocked about that. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. New York was pretty good this season, and there was a lot of hype around Igor Shosturkin, but it's Pittsburgh, guys. Like, when's the last time you heard the Rangers being good enough to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins in the playoffs? Not in a while. The narrative just made too much sense. Sidney Crosby and the gang were not going to let this young, inexperienced in the playoffs core come in and show them out. That's just not how they go out. Maybe next time Shesterkin should debate uh, waving goodbye to the Pittsburgh Penguins in the regular season there because that's not looking so great now. It's really coming back in his face. It's going to be memed for forever. That oh, I've been sending it around everywhere. I've chucked that thing around everywhere. It's all my Rangers friends. I have a Rangers buddy that's so mad. I texted him today and he goes, I'll talk hockey with you, but I'm not talking Rangers. <laughs> so, Rangers fans right now are on the edge. They're rattled. If you have one, make sure you check up on them. He, if, if your friend's a Rangers fan, male, female, it doesn't matter. You need to check up on them. They're in a tough place. They, they might need a hug. They, they're going through some things right now, and it, it's, it's rough. Being a New York sports fan must be exhausting. Like, when New York sports teams are good, it's, it's incredibly exhausting, I can imagine. They're the top market in the U.S. or 
the a top two market in the United States. They are a historic sports city and to like not live up to that expectation when they make the playoffs probably is super exhausting. Yeah. Wild. Um, we'll jump into the last one in the Eastern conference, the Florida Panthers, Washington Capitals. It's tied two, two game five will be tomorrow. I think that Florida finally got a groove going last game. And I think that they carry the momentum. And I know this is going to maybe be a little bit wild or whatever because they were down two to one, but I think they go ahead and go on a three game win streak and they end this in six. I think Washington doesn't get another game from them. I think they're finally buzzing. I think you're right. Uh, it, mm, it pains me to say this because I really do like Alex Ovechkin and I really do like the Capitals and I think they're a pretty good team. Florida is just too good. The fact, like the only reason that the Capitals were hanging around in their game last night against Florida was because Ilya Samsonov carried them to it. There was literally Played 30, fantastic a 32 to 16 shot differential in favor of Florida. Like that, that they were getting goal lead. When it was six on five, you just knew that that puck was going in, and it was it was Florida's game. But so speaking uh, they of have that no, game, they have no business beating this team. And if they speaking do, speaking of that game, I just want to ask you a quick question: How do you feel about the Oshie hit? Clean? Not clean? Uh, uh, I, I eh. clean. I think it was clean to me. Uh, my he- quick. My quick breakdown, Sam Bennett's coming to the blue line, fumbled the puck, tried to cut to stay onside, slash, pick the puck back up. Oshie was there back-checking. Oshie stood his ground, delivered a nice, clean hit. Sam Bennett's stick went into his own head, in my opinion. I think the NHL got that absolutely correct. Yeah. It's hockey. Like, come on. It's the playoffs. Let it happen. Like, obviously, you don't kill the guy, but big hits in hockey are good. You know, there, there's a reason that there's few as Patrick Kane would say, playoffs. it's hockey, baby. It's hockey. And then we'll move on to the Western Conference. The Avalanche closed out the Preds. Preds had no chance when Saros was out. Kind of sucks for them. Colorado's the, the team to beat in the West. I picked them at the beginning of the year. I know that's not the big pick. They were the favorite going in, but I'll take it so far. They look like a unit. And then we'll slide into. My personal favorite, we've already touched on it, the Wild versus Blues. We have not given our predictions, so we really don't need to jump into the series all too much. Just go ahead and throw our predictions out. Minnesota Wild in six. I uh, I think the Wild are going to do it, too. I think it's going to be a six-game series. I, I like it. Nah, I, they just yeah. got to beat that. Avalanche after that somehow. And we'll move into the next one, which is the – Oilers, Kings, 2-2. What do you like here? Uh, Okay, here's what I'll say about this series. I was super high on the LA Kings going into the season. I knew that they were good enough to go to the playoffs, and I knew that they would be outmatched in the first round because they'd have to squeak their way in or they'd play like the third seed in the Pacific or the second seed. And it happened to have been Edmonton. I could have predicted that. I I don't know. I think uh, Kings in seven. That's my gut. I think wow. they, I, 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 I know. I know. Wow. I'm, I'm, a big I F you to Connor McDavid. Like, dude. I'm going to go ahead and message him right now and tell him that you said he stinks. No, please. I want to know. Playoffs. What, 
I want to know what Connor McDavid thinks performer? about that. Is that what you just said? I heard you just say Connor McDavid doesn't perform in the playoffs. Quote it, people. I didn't say that, but I'll say it. Uh, no. no. I don't know. I, I, I think... I I don't yeah, hate it, dude. I, I think I the Kings are good enough to do it. Like they're they're a team that has this. I don't know. I think the narrative is there for them, and I think this team's really underrated. I I loved. I watched them a lot this season. I think they can do it. I don't hate your Kings pick in seven. I do have Edmonton in seven, me personally. But what I do like about the fact that you picked the Kings in seven is if you look kind of at the stats, they're slightly getting Mike Smith. Which just isn't right. Mike Smith saving goal? Like, no, Mike Smith's not good, right? Like, he hasn't been good for a few years. I mean, playoffs so, Mike Smith is typically locked in. Like, you look at his playoff yeah, numbers, yes, he's an amazing you are goal in the postseason. This is, you are correct. I, I, that's a fair point. I will absolutely give you that. But it, it'll be interesting. I kind of want Edmonton to lose just to kind of see it burn, you know? Like, if Edmonton gets what do you do? loses again. What do you do as Edmonton? You've got Connor McDavid. You've got... Leon Dreisaitl, you've got Ryan Nugent Hopkins, you've got Kyler Yamamoto, and like one of them's got to go for a defense. You, right? you need better defense, obviously, but what the hell do you do as the as the it's Oilers? Okay. I don't get it. They can it. trade Leon Dreisaitl straight up for Seth Jones. We'll swap it out. We'll move on. It'll be a done deal. Do it, please, for the love of God, Kyle Davis. <laughs> no, I, love, I love Seth Jones, but I, mean, I, would, I would obviously take that in a heartbeat. Don't don't hear what I'm not saying. I would take I would take Leon Dreisaitl before, like before there were even trade talks, dude. What? Come on. I would take Leon Dreisaitl over everybody on the Blackhawks except for Patrick Kane. That's just due to my respect for Patrick Kane. And then the final series of the playoffs that we have to cover. Is the Calgary Flames, Dallas Stars. Flames and six. Flames and six. You think they finally got it going? They won last night, right? Four to one with 54 shots to 35. So they dominated. I watched the majority of that game. I thought that Calgary had it buzzing. I thought Johnny Gaudreau looked good. Um, But they have struggled at times earlier in this year or in this series. And Johnny Gaudreau only has one goal, so I do get a little nervous there. But I'm with you. I think Calgary's buzzing. I think they're going to get it going. I think Dallas is going to get unmatched here late, and I think that the depth of Calgary and the five-on-five play is finally going to pay off for them, even though it hasn't through the first four. They're a much deeper team. The Stars are not really that good, right? I I compare this series in some way to the Panthers-Capitals series. Dallas is good. They've got a good team, but Calgary is just better and they should win this series. They should close the door. I, I think they finally figured out how to get around and how to outlast the stars. Jake Ottinger is really good. And I, 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 I say that truthfully. I think he's a fantastic goaltender, um, but he's, he's beatable. You just have to grind out Dallas's play and get around and beat Dallas at their own game. And if you can do that, which they've shown they can, that the, this will be done in six. So flames in six. Yeah, I I agree a hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. I think everything you said was correct. Uh, but I said the only worry that I had would be Johnny Gaudreau slowing down. But I think you nailed it on the head. I think Calgary rolls. I think that Dallas's runs over. They played their few good games, and that's going to be it for them. 
Anything else you want to cover here, Logan? Any Blackhawks topics, playoff topics, any controversial, any of these goals going in you want to talk about that should, should not count? I think my least favorite thing about um, my least favorite thing about the playoffs being on ESPN and TNT is the sheer amount of celebrities that are now being seen with the cup and like just like touching it. Like, I don't know why it bugs me. It shouldn't. It's, like, great that there's so much exposure for the game that hasn't been seen in so long. But I don't know, that's, seeing John Taffert. the purest in you. See, seeing John Taffert, like, hug the Stanley Cup on Instagram like it's his child just doesn't. I, that's the purest, though. You understand that you shouldn't touch that thing unless you're the one that won that thing. That's how hockey yeah. is. That's how the Stanley Cup works. You get it. I get it. I agree with you. Like there's there's literally no other trophy that has like the like history physically on it and like can see it. It it, it no best no. trophy in all sports. The best trophy. I don't give a flying flamingo what sport you're a fan of. If you don't think the Stanley Cup's not the best trophy, oh, you're wrong. It like. It is quite literally the greatest looking trophy and like the most, it, it's the best trophy in sports. I'll name another trophy that it. when you win it, you can go back and you can turn this thing around and go Wayne Gretzky, Brett Hall, Dominic Hatchett, Steve at least in Neiserman. North America. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know very much about European soccer or anything like that. I don't think any of their trophies put the name on it. I think it's the only one, right? I feel I mean, like I know, like may, maybe I'm wrong. Got, like, I feel the, like the I feel like the European like like the League Cups and the some of the their older, names gone. like I feel like some of the older trophies that are more for like the domestic League Cups, uh, they're similar in the way that like they have the you can see some of the history, but I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Well, if if then then I'll, I'll I'll roll over a little bit if that's the case. But otherwise, nope. I think that the Stanley Cup is the best trophy in all sports. Yeah. It's the most iconic. I mean, without trophy. a doubt, like that that doesn't take it, away from it. Who who doesn't want to drink a little champagne at the top of that bad boy? If, you know, if I have like if I have the opportunity in my future, hopefully in media, hopefully for some NHL team, and that team wins the Stanley Cup, and I am there in that locker room with that team, and that cup is handed to me, and there's champagne in it, I can die a happy man if that happens. Like well, that. If, the, if you get that option, make sure you take a second sip for me, and if I get that option, I'll take a second sip for you. Of course. That right there, I could die a happy man. That's the dream right there, Cliff. Come on. That's literally every hockey fan's dream. Not just winning the cup, not just being able to lift it, like you get your day with the cup, dude. That's insane. you know how I just talked about all this talk about how you shouldn't touch the cup unless you've won it. My like 2004 is when the Lightning won the cup because I live in Florida, and uh, Torts brought it to the rink I played at, and my dumb self at the age of like that would have made me nine touched it. I that's why I my hockey career too. That's why my hockey career went down the drains. That's why I blame it on that moment right there, John Tortorella. I, it's all your fault. I touched it, um, what, I forget after which cup it was. I want to say it was after the first. Uh, it, the Blackhawks have a huge, huge 
uh, outreach in the Chicago area, like youth hockey leagues and youth hockey programs. And the cup was at North Shore Ice Arena, which is very close to where I live. And it, I, 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 I have a picture somewhere at home. Uh, I'm pretty sure of me wearing my like crappy house league jersey that I was wearing for the spring week, <laughs> like touching it. And it, like the, uh, the Blackhawks ended up winning two more cups. So I'm not going to complain too much, but yeah, you were kids. Like you're, I don't like, I should play torch. You know, should have looked at me as a nine year old hockey player and been like, if you touch this cup, your hockey career. Is don't over. touch that, that cup, kid. There, it wasn't my inability to play. It wasn't the fact that I got anxious on the ice. None of that. It was all 100% the fact I touched the cup. That's why my career never jump started. It had nothing 100%. to do with it. I found a moment. No, absolutely. None of the other stuff. Just the fact that John Tortorella allowed me to touch the cup. That's it. John Tortorella is scumbag. Heard it here total, first. Total scumbag. Quote us on it. <laughs> put it out there. No, I'm just kidding. I actually love torts. Torts is a great guy, especially growing up in Florida. I know I just, just shit on him a little bit, so I no, just give him a little uh, love. But Torts is a guy. I met him as a kid, so I have like a little memory of like a nine-year-old meeting Torts, and he came off as that very stern old man. Not old man. Sorry, Torts. Don't mean to disrespect you again as I'm He's apologizing old. for disrespect. You can call him you. old. He's old. He's a silver fox. You know what? You know who deserves the curmudgeonly old man award? Torch for saying that that Zegers goal wasn't good yes. for hockey. Jesus, thank you. <laughs> old but, well, old ha- old man yells at cloud. That's exactly what that moment was, no doubt. And that is a perfect spot to end it, Logan. Um, we're gonna go ahead and kick it off. Thank you all for listening to Cue the Dagger. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram. One last final thing is we did reach a hundred followers, Father. Finally, the giveaway announcement will be coming soon it'll be announced on our next podcast so wait for that if you're following us on twitter we have not done the drawing yet so you still have some time to enter it'll be done just prior to us recording the next pod all you have to do to enter is follow at cue the dagger pod on twitter that's all you got to do just follow at cue the dagger pod thank you all for listening cue the dagger